This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I am Andrew. Well, good morning, guys. Hello. Good Hello. morning. How is everybody today? Well, I'm fine. I'm finally uh, back online. I have uh, been enjoying some internet issues and yeah. very excited to be speaking to you. Not on my personal hotspot that I have been doing all of my business on for the last mm. several weeks. So. Sounds Oof. awful. Sounds I, awful. Um, I, on, I honestly thought I might have to uh, reschedule our recording this morning because Ian rolled through yesterday. Oh, yeah. And uh, we lost power around 7 o'clock. Uh-huh. Um, it came last back night. on at 2 a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It came back on at 2 a.m. So I was like, okay, sure. Because that was my my sole priority in that situation. Was yeah, that's not, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> did you guys get a ton of rain? Wind? Oh yeah, I mean all day it was rainy and windy, and you could just hear like the wind rip whipping around, like raining sideways. It was, I mean I wouldn't say it was scary. It was honestly fine. It was just like a a, a bad storm, but like a long bad storm. Yeah, so, I I have family. Power, in, you lost said, power at seven p.m. Yes. Right. So what'd you do the rest of the night? Just kind of like stared at each other and um, <laughs> then went and went to sleep early. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, I have family in Florida. They were out. Of, they had power out for 50 hours. Wow. OK, well, I guess I shouldn't complain about my seven. And having to stare at stare at your significant other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things that like, once the powers goes out and it's like. It's not like I'm tied to my TV. But at mm-hmm. night, once the power goes out, it's like, well, I guess I might as well just go to sleep. You guys light <laughs> some candles? Yeah, yeah. And we have a gas stove, so we were able to cook a little bit. But, you know, it was one of those things that once the power goes out, you're like, well, ah, now I'm kind of in the mood to go out for dinner. <laughs> yeah. I just envisioned her walking into the room. Peeps, the power's out. <laughs> Peeps, I wa- power's out. I watched your YouTube video of the uh, the haunted train. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. And uh, and her attempts at doing the peeps. <laughs> they mock me, Wayne. They mock me. <laughs> peeps. But it was, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it was a quiet night, but power came back on so that we can record this morning and talk about this week's comics and all the MCU news you can shake a stick at. Woo! Woo! Because um, this week there was a lot going on. I mean, the biggest news, I should say, I don't know, I guess we'll start with the biggest news. Is that um, Hugh Jackman will be returning to play Wolverine in Deadpool three, and uh, I guess you know firmly set in the MCU somehow, but obviously probably playing into that multiverse component. I very much enjoyed that trailer from Ryan Reynolds slash Hugh Jackman in the background. Yeah, well there were two. Yeah, things. there was a second one where Hugh where yeah. they're sitting on the couch together talking about it. Oh that yeah, one, the, I didn't see that one. The first one was hilarious. The second one was helping to clear some things up. Yeah, but no, it, I, I'm I'm excited about. It. I mean, I think for what it's worth, obviously, I think they're going to figure out a way to do it in a way that's not terribly confusing and throw everybody off as far as how they this integrates into the MCU. But I just can't wait for the fight scene. Wolverine slicing up Deadpool and Deadpool healing, and Deadpool slicing up Wolverine with his swords and Wolverine healing. It's all going to be very, very slice and dice. <laughs> so yeah so that was the big news but there was other news other mcu related news 
Um, it was also announced this week that Armor Wars, which was going to start Don Cheadle as War Machine, will not be a television show coming to Disney Plus, but is going to be retooled as a uh, feature film for for movie theaters. I have always said that I would watch a War Machine movie, and I do think that he has the your know, charisma and acting ability to pull off a movie. I just hope it does well because I'm not sure if the second tier heroes have that power to pull people into theaters that the big stars like Robert Downey Jr. had and the main characters. I think uh, an Armor Wars movie will be much more successful than an Armor Wars TV show. Uh, yeah, because I, I think, yeah. you know, it, the the thing about the the Iron Man movies is, you know, all the suits you know, and all the technology and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I just think they'll just be able to do a much better job with a, a cinematic bu- budget versus a television budget. Um, I don't, I don't foresee a problem with getting folks in. Yeah. You know, uh, he's not Robert Downey Jr. But then who is, um, I think that, you know, yeah. there's probably an opportunity for, uh, Robert Downey Jr. You know, hollow video <laughs> within the movie you know yeah Rody, you gotta go get my suits yeah <laughs> you know? uh i I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it i i feel a lot better about it as a movie than i did as a, as a tv show i do too. too yeah I, I agree and i i hope they realize maybe they need to slow down the tv shows a little bit i, I feel like they're oversaturating with constant tv shows yeah and it feels like maybe they're starting you know, with all the Warner Brothers stuff, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery is like, you know, we, we want to stop investing in our HBO Max programming that really should be theatrical movies. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons they canceled Batgirl is like, let's stop throwing money into, you know, into that and throw money into things that will generate profit individually versus, you know, subscriber base. And I'm wondering if Marvel is starting to look at things and say, you know what? We're using movie actors on our Disney Plus shows. Maybe we should focus on using movie actors in our movies. And so we're seeing like I don't I I, I think that I think there's a happy medium there. I think that, you know, there's there is a level of value to bringing your movie actors into your television series. I think yeah. WandaVision, WandaVision. Yeah, is a fantastic example of that. Yeah, but then I mean, WandaVision was three, gotten, you, know. you never would have gotten that kind of character development on screen. You're only going to get that in a television show. Yeah, I think uh, WandaVision did it really well and did something that we know would tie into the larger movie universe. I wasn't a big fan of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I think that was better as a TV show than it would have been as a movie. I think a lot of the early shows, I think, hit on what they were trying to do. You know, Loki and WandaVision, and these are telling these side stories that need to be done to be set up for the big movies. And they've kind of lost their way just bringing different properties. I don't think Moon Knight's going to tie into anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I, I disagree a little bit on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I feel like... I feel like everything Falcon and the Winter Soldier said could have been said in a two and a half hour movie. I think I think that it could have been a lot tighter. Right. Yeah. And I think they could have really leaned into the buddy cop piece of that, that they did not execute as effectively in the TV show. Yeah. But I mean, regardless, I think this is the right move for Armor Wars. I, I think, um, you know, it, it could be any number of reasons. But if if I'd rather they make a, a nice, solid two two plus hour movie 
than try to stretch a, the story out over did, you know six hours of television. Did you see that the Black Panther sequel is two hours, 40 minutes long? I did see that, and I'm okay oh, with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pee before that movie, Aaron. Well, you know, I appreciate that they've got a lot of ground to cover, but man. Hey, I'm gonna have to, you know, go for the small diet coke uh, yeah. at the concession yeah. stand because who? Either that or the catheterization option. That's the way <laughs> I would go, Aaron. Yeah. The way to do it, Aaron, is you eat the popcorn before the movie so uh-huh. that you get all the sodium and you dry out, uh-huh. and you save the soda for the last half of the movie. Uh-huh. That's uh. To rehydrate. <laughs> that's not exactly how that works. <laughs> no, that's that's exactly, that's exactly how that works, how that works. Andrew. Science, way, Andrew. Come on. I know you, you don't know. Open a book, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I Andrew. Every time we talk about things medically related, it's like you're so out of touch. I I am. I'm a fossil, but if I am available for consults, if you want to go the catheter out, so for a very reasonable fee. <laughs> I don't know that it might be would be reasonable in that situation. <laughs> Andrew's going to catheterize all of us for a bargain. Not forcefully, but if you if you really want to be. <laughs> um, and the final bit of MCU news this week was regarding Blade. Um, apparently, uh, the lead actor of Blade is unhappy with the script. And on top of that, the film has lost its director. What? So I missed this uh, article. They're yeah, same. relatively back to the drawing board on Blade. They have not announced a delay. Um, but I think they are back to the drawing board on on trying to get that thing right. Why is the lead actor upset? He apparently, um, you know, the the rumor mill, yes, is that the uh, the script was not um, effective enough, and I, that you know, with the script being by the same some of the same writers who wrote the Moon Knight show, I can get that. Yeah, I, I can get that. <laughs> um, apparently, the action was minimal and lackluster, hmm. and I I. That's exactly how I would describe the Moon Knight television show. So I get it. Yeah. Now, is this going to be a Blade movie or a Blade TV show? A Blade movie. movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. You cannot have a like lackluster action for Blade. It's he's not a deep character that could handle, you know, a a character dive movie. Yeah. You know, know. The, I, I think Blade's a pretty deep character. You know, I. I I think the way he has been played on screen is not particularly deep, but I think the the, the roots of the character are pretty deep. I think there's potential, right? I think yeah. there's potential to do it right. And apparently um, the director of John Wick had expressed interest at some point, but yeah, that's a good, ooh, Marvel yeah. was not interested in producing an R-rated Blade movie when get, he had uh, expressed interest. Get yourself a little gun-fu action in there, yeah. Right? I'd, I'd be down for that. Heck yeah. Right for that. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what comes of the Blade movie, but hopefully, you know, r- regardless in all this, um, it, it sounds like the lead actor is very passionate about the project and wants to get it right. So. And you keep saying the lead actor. Do we not know who this guy is? <laughs> um, I, I don't want to butcher his name. Um, Mahershala Ali. OK. Mahershala um, Ali. Mahershala Ali. Thank he you. He was in uh, the Green Book. Is that what it was? I believe so. Do I, do I have um, that right? I, be, I, I believe did, so. I did not know. Yeah. Mahershala Ali. Yes. Very good. Well, I, you know, I'm, I really want a a new Blade movie and a Blade movie in the MCU would be awesome. Uh, For, for, he also has an MCU connection because he played Cottonmouth in the first season of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this was Cottonmouth. Okay. All right. 
Did he get bulk? Did he bulk up? I believe so. Well, I think oh, he yeah. is. Yeah, but yes, Aaron, he was that. also in Green Book. Okay. Uh, you have to go through that MCU bodybuilding process, you know, where, he... they, where they genetically realign you. <laughs> I need to get me some of that action. Um, oh, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because he was kind of a smaller, kind of wiry guy for uh, when he was playing Cottonmouth, yeah. as I recall. Yeah. But he's also a multiple Academy Award winner for uh, Moonlight and Green Book. Yeah. I mean, he's a good he's a good actor. I oh, yeah, really absolutely. He him. was the best part of Luke Cage for what it's worth. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I went through that whole Marvel building thing, but I didn't realize that it was the one that they put Thor through for uh, Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> good one, he chose though. the wrong program when yeah. he was signing up. Uh, but yeah, so lots of lots of MCU news uh, before we get into our, our comics. I forgot to mention um, or it's not on the outline. I'm going off script. Paul, I know the other day uh, Black Adam tickets went on sale. So Black Adam comes out later this month. It's officially October 1st as we record this. Um, I think first showings of Black Adam start on October 20th and uh, tickets are now on sale for Black that is Adam. Exciting. That is very exciting. I got I my feel- tickets. I feel like uh, the Black Panther sequel has snuck up on me as well. I just it just like all of a sudden it's here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like three weeks after Black Adam. Yeah. So it's like, oh, OK. Yeah, I mean, it, it. well, I think part of it is that they waited so long to put a trailer out. Right. And so, yeah, it, it, usually we've got nine to 12 months where that first teaser trailer comes out. Yeah. But really, we only have like three. Right. I'm very excited I, I, for, for Wakanda Forever. I think that movie is going to make buckets of money. I hope it, it does. will. Yeah, yeah, it's going to make a ton of money. I'm very excited. You know, they've kept things very under wraps, so uh-huh. I am excited to go see what they have, uh, what they're doing with it. Yep. It's going to make some of my bucks for sure. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But you know what's not? Uh-oh. Tim Drake Robin issue two. No, say well, it ain't so. Oh. Won't be getting my money because Tim Drake s- Robin one should not have gotten my hard-earned four or five dollars. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what the cover price was. This book pissed me off so bad you take one of my favorite characters and you put this art to it where you could not recognize a single character if you didn't know whose book it was they don't even look human the way they are they're drawn is like they he deserves better than this artist in the writing so you know Tim yeah robin is firmly set in the, the current DCU where, where Tim Drake has, I don't know if he, he's come out as bisexual or just gay, but in this, you know, in this movie, or excuse me, in this series, so he's dating Bernard. They've said he's come out as bi, and okay. in the uh, the Pride issue, they kind of talk about that. And the, the uh, Tim Drake Pride issue was really good. Mm-hmm. And then they get this shit where he talks about how he's always just been settling. As yeah. someone who's a fan of Stephanie and his relationship and read all those issues and what she meant to him, that is utter and total bullshit. He loved Stephanie. They were a good couple together. This, them not working and him moving on to someone else is one thing, but them trying to undercut that relationship to give us this one where he barely knew this guy before getting together and now suddenly this is his soulmate who's in this issue drawn horribly like everything else is just utter bullshit <laughs> wayne <laughs> don't whitewash it for us yeah. give us how you really feel buddy yeah. I mean, <laughs> let it know, out I, I i will feel I, I will say the book angered me in a way that and it's mostly because 
you know, the book advertises itself as the world's greatest Robin returns. And here's the thing. I love Tim Drake. He is probably the world's greatest Robin. I, I would actually yeah. agree with that. Um, you know, his character, you know, his introduction. But, you know, I think one of the things that frustrated me about this book is that I feel like the writer, in addition to the, the, the art being bad, um, the writer has decided that in order for Tim Drake to step into, you know, th- this new status quo, they have to put cast doubt upon or undo everything that we've known about the character before. So what we see in this book is a Tim Drake. I mean, Tim Drake was introduced 26 years ago, 30 years ago, something like that at this point. The character has been around for so long as this confident, strong character. And basically what we see here is very much an amateur, unsure of himself, doubting every decision he's ever made in his life until now kind of thing. And I'm like, but that's not Tim Drake. So yeah. it did not feel like I was reading Tim like, Drake. I get having doubt around his new relationship and things like that, because that is something new that he didn't know about himself. Yeah. But he knows himself as Robin. And also this base that he set himself up in as, you know, a boat on the harbor that's just full of junk it was like tim himself was wealthy before bruce yeah there were there were a lot of odd decisions made to the character it did not feel like i was reading a tim drake book um it was it, it the character was tim drake in name only and it's like a drinking game so every time i say tim drake take a drink um, <laughs> but yeah it i understand that dc has had a struggle with this character and it feels like after the Red Robin stuff, then James Tynion IV did a really strong arc with this character on Detective Comics. But it feels like since Bendis took over Young Justice, they've really struggled with what to do with Tim Drake. Yeah, and um, not only was this issue a crime against Tim Drake, they brought in Darcy from We Are Robins. And she, like, I don't think she was written too poorly, necessarily, but... The art just is is a crime against everyone in this book. <laughs> you know, can I say something that I'm I'm struggling a little bit with in comic books? And it's not specific to this book, but this book is per- certainly part of it. I'm struggling a little bit with the modern way of saying that multiple superheroes can have the same name. And still be relatively unaffiliated, right? So it's not like they're all part of, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where it's, like, Red Ranger, Blue Ranger. No, I'm talking about the fact that there's, like, five different characters who go by the name Robin, or multiple characters who go by the name Batman, or Batgirl, or Captain America. Well, two people who go by the name Superman. Or two people who go by the name Superman. And for me, I struggle a little bit with that. And I don't know why, but it feels like laziness. (laughs) <laughs> well, you like, know, it's it's like yeah. in this week's issue of Action Comics. You know, it's like people are going, Superman's here. Look, it's Superman. And I just feel like somebody should say, which one? Yeah. Right. Actually, let's you talk know? about Action Comics since we're on it, because that is a good point. You know, it's, it's very good. It's it's very much a struggle when Jonathan Kent has been doing a, not only a bang up job of being Superman, mm-hmm. but a very... Um, media centric yeah 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 um yeah it's his you know the the actions he's done have been broadcast all over international news and then kal-el comes back and it's like like no one even mentions jonathan in this book really yeah (laughs) 
So regardless of what was in this book, I was disappointed by it, by what wasn't in the book. I Maybe they covered this elsewhere. I wanted to see his reunion with Jonathan. That was in the previous issue. Yeah, I, I expected all of that with this, with a book that is, you know, Kello Returns Part 1. I expected to see his reunion with Lois, with John, and those were done in previous books. And so I was disappointed by the book because of that. I yeah. uh, I, I like this book, let me just say it that. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this run of Action Comics. I like that Action Comics and the, the Superman book are two distinctly different books. You know, Superman is the Jonathan Kent book. Action Comics is the Kal-El book. Um, I, and I'm digging that. But, you know, there is a scene here where Superman shows up at the U.N. to address the fact that he has parked War World in orbit, huh. uh, which seems to me I mean, I I feel like I'm in agreement with just about everybody at the United Nations that this seems like a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, just, to, just to, a name to, alone. It's not I like mean, he parked Flower World or Care or, World up there. Right. I mean, the branding is bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if he if they had renamed and called it Peace World. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Pacifist World. Hug World. Yeah. Hug Gold World. <laughs> Friendly Touch World. Uh, but, uh, you know, so number one, bad idea, bad idea, Kalel. Not your best idea. But, you know. The fact that, you know, Superman's saying, hey, these people need our help. They're bringing technology that I think we can use. I mean, I think all of that's great. It just seems to me like maybe it doesn't need to be so present in the sky. Uh, I think it was a better idea when you had new Krypton on the other side of the sun. I think that was a good idea. Yeah. I mean, uh, Aaron, can I, can I interrupt you for a second? Because I do have a question in regards to th- this specific instance yeah. that you're talking about. Yes. Have we seen this storyline or this scene play out somewhere else? I feel like I have. With in a War Superman World book. specifically? Not War World specifically, but Superman approaching the UN, discussing how he's an immigrant and we need to give these people a shot. Maybe it was that, that new Krypton story. I think it's new Krypton yeah. you're thinking of because the, the, the story is very similar, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, the world freaked out when, you know, Superman liberated all the Kryptonians, you know, from the bottle city of Kandor and rightly so all of a sudden you've got thousands of Superman powered Kryptonians wandering around and, you know, who do not have the same Smallville upright uh, upbringing that, uh, Clark Kent had. Yeah. Well, and besides the fact that it's war world and it's, uh, horribly branded for being uh-huh. around there. They don't address in that scene some something they address in the backup story mm-hmm. that when War World pops into orbit, it affects the tides and I, yeah, I did think that. I'm like, hmm, that feels like that would throw off gravity somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the backup story covers that. The tides start rising, and it's like, well, why isn't the UN talking about the massive ecological disaster that he just caused? Well, and you know, one of the things that bothers me about this story is. Bad things happened on War World when Superman and his team went there. And, I mean, horrible things happened to the folks that were on on Team Superman. And we're not seeing any of that trauma addressed. Um, And maybe that'll happen in future books. But, I mean, if I were on Team Superman, number one, I would have big issues with Superman uh, because of his failure of leadership. 
Um, I would also, you know, I, I think that I'd have to be in some therapy for, you know, some of the things that, that happened. Uh, it was terrible. Terrible things happened. Well, uh, and in the backup story, when they show up, one of the things that uh, bothered me with it, maybe they explained it in the Warworld story, mm-hmm. but they come off of uh, Warworld there in perfectly clean suits. Right, right. They are yeah. all suited up, and it looks bright and clean and not dirty. And yet, you're right. When they, we they, see Warworld, it is there's nothing clean about Warworld. Right. I know. I, I completely agree. They all they all they all descend to earth, you know, pristine. Right. Um, I also have issues. You know, Superman spent a lot of times deep, 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 deep underground in Warworld, and so he has seen all the horrible things that live there. And he's put it in orbit. I mean, it just seems silly to me. Um, I will say I love Supergirl's new suit. She looks like she's aged 15 years, though. I mean, it's it's very maturing on her. She doesn't look like, you know, somebody, you know, 18, 19 years old. She looks like somebody who's who's coming up on 30. Uh, but but I do love the new suit. I love the new look. And I, I, I feel like they're they're getting ready to rebrand her as Superwoman versus Supergirl. And I'm okay with that. I do find Same. it funny that um Connor Kent is uh is nineties. You know, still rocking the nineties yeah. outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I I I really am enjoying this book and I gotta tell you the backup feature was fantastic. I it was really yeah. enjoyed the backup feature. For me the highlight of the book was actually the Metallo stuff mm-hmm. with his sister. Like I, I really enjoyed those couple pages. Uh, the him, basically he can't talk and just listening and then put stuff on the screen. I loved when Luther came in. He just put get out over and over and over again. I am looking forward to what they're going to do with him because it's going to be tragic. They are setting it up for him to be a sympathetic character, which means Luther is going to do some really horrible things to oh, him. Yeah, completely screw that guy over. I, I, but mean, I enjoyed I, it. I, you know, as far as the first part of, uh, you know, because I think this crosses over into Superman, and I don't know if it crosses over into any other books, but um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to to seeing where the story goes. Same, same. I, you know, I, I complained about a lot of things, but they're all fairly minor quibbles for me. Yeah. So, good stuff. So, Paul. Yes, sir. I'm a great big Sergeant Rock fan. Yes. I'm a great big Bruce Campbell fan. Yes. I'm a great big fan of, of zombie and horror stories. Yeah. Just smush all that together and give me a comic book, Paul. Okay. Well, they Do did it. that. They Do did it. that. They did that in Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, number one. And I got to tell you, I love this book. And they threw in some Eduardo Riso art. God, that Eduardo Riso art rocks in a Sergeant Rock book. It does, but I will say I struggled a little bit to distinguish characters. Sometimes. I did too. I, that that I, I I was like, okay, which one of these guys is Sergeant Rock? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that will be more apparent when we deploy the troop. You know, when when the when when Easy Company rolls out, because right now this was you know sort of setting the table. We get to see some wonderful ghoulish uh, Adolf Hitler in this book. You know, operating in the shadows you know, putting out there a, a great big necromancer vibe, um, which I thought was, was awfully fun. Um, 
the you get to see all the you know the 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 Nazi army of the dead out there. And then we, you know, we're, we're getting the, the gang together to go out on the mission. So we really didn't get to see these guys in action too much other than taking down a lone zombie uh, there at headquarters. Um, but, yeah, I agree. It was hard to identify. Yeah, I mean, you really kind of I was looking for stripes, right, to be able yeah. to pick out Sergeant Rock. But uh, I sure did. I sure did like this book a lot. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think it's exactly uh-huh. what we were hoping for from it. Yeah. You know, the Adorno Riso art fits the mood. Um, you know, it, it's 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 Nazi zombies and Sergeant Rock and Hitler, and it's it's it is exactly. Yeah, you know, we've it's not like it's an original story. We've certainly seen you know Hitler zombies before since Wolfenstein and in many iterations of, of stories since. Um, but you throw Sergeant Rock in there. And, you know, under a glorious cover by Gary Frank. Yeah, that that cover's hot. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there are a lot of variants, and I really wish they had included the variants in, yeah, in me the too. digital edition, because I would have liked to have seen them. You know, I think the important thing to note about, you know, what Paul and I are complaining about not being able to, to pick out Sergeant Rock in the book is that Sergeant Rock is depicted as uh, Bruce Campbell portraying the role of Sergeant Rock. So he's not going to look like your traditional sergeant rock he looks more you know what's funny i did not really take that um yeah i did not catch that honestly the only thing that distinguished sergeant rock for me was not his hair because most other characters had the hair it was that in many of the panels with sergeant rock he's got a cigar in his mouth right right and i was like okay that's sergeant rock yeah (laughs) but you know the gary frank cover is very much a spot on portrayal of Bruce Campbell as Sergeant Rock. Yeah. Versus, you know, Eduardo Riso has certain elements that make him look uh, like Bruce Campbell. Uh, but he certainly doesn't look like your traditional Sergeant Rock other than the cigar. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, this book really worked for me on all levels. I, I thought it was a ton of fun. Spooky as all get out had that sort of, you know, dirty dozen sort of you know uh, world war ii mission giving and you know by the way here are the special tools you'll get to get get to use almost like it's a james bond movie mm-hmm. uh i just you know you feel like most of these guys aren't coming back alive <laughs> yeah, and in, the, in a tale like this where yeah. it's not really tied to a specific continuity that's very likely well and you know they they, they show you how badass these uh individual zombies are when it takes the entire company to bring down the one zombie and they're like so it's you know us against an entire nazi army of the dead yeah good luck you guys have have a good time we'll see you later (laughs) (laughs) i dug this book i i I can't wait for the next issue yeah and it it came out right on time you know i think Mm -hmm. we'll probably get a second issue just in time for halloween yep so I, I'm, I'm enjoying it, looking forward to it. And, and hopefully it does well enough that maybe they'll approach other what would be nice because they've got this DC horror line that they rarely take advantage of. Right. Um, right. Yeah, they've got a couple books in there. I think there's a like the cabin on the lake or something like that that's in there also. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting if they did reach out to more horror icons, not necessarily known for comic writing, and maybe had them take their hand at – at writing a comic with a superstar artist kind of thing. Well, it's like the closest thing they've got uh, other than this, the closest thing they've got to that is the work that Stephen King's boy is doing. Yeah. The Joe Hill you stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, uh, highly recommend good stuff. Yeah. 
And, you know, another book I just very much enjoyed this week was uh, Defenders Beyond Number 3 with a just blazing hot cover by Javier Rodriguez uh, with uh, Taya uh, trade as the Phoenix. And, Andrew, I got to know what you thought of Defenders Beyond Number 3. I thought it was uh, fantastic. Uh, there is a lot to read in this book, but yes. yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, they've moved into not only face the Phoenix, but they are in the room where the Phoenixes are built. The white hot room. <laughs> and the the anonymous construction worker. Uh, I love she's like, are you God? Are you death? And he's like, yeah, you're on the right track. <laughs> he's, a, he, he, he's the construction worker guy from the YMCA. Uh, yeah, from, uh, well, yeah, from the village people. That would be God. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I love the Beyonder came along with them and his contributions uh, being paired with the Loki. Um, it was kind of a neat way to separate the uh, split the party, as they say, uh-huh. uh, to kind of let give them each some own uh, screen time to themselves as they each dealt with a fragment of the Phoenix. So and Tigra was so much fun in this in this issue. Uh, yeah. She was great. Yeah, she yeah. was. Uh, you know, you would think how could Tigra add much in a fight against the Phoenix? But they found a very interesting and, yeah. and innovative way to make her effective. against. Well, against and to you know, change, change the tides. Right. I mean, she she came in and just really shifted the balance of power. She did. And I just I really very much enjoyed that. I am somebody who has always liked Tigra. I mean, I, my first Tigra book was um, in the pages of the Fantastic Four back when George Perez was drawing. And, uh, you know, she and uh, Thundra were on the team. Yeah. And I, I just I love Tigra. And, no, I've been uh, a big fear, big fan of Greer ever since West Coast Avengers, of course. Yeah. So. The only time I've not enjoyed her storytelling was. uh uh, when she was getting done dirty by the, Hank Pym, the hood. Oh, the hood. Okay. That, I wasn't the, crazy when she and Hank Pym had hooked up for a while either, but yeah, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't uh, the best. But I, I just hated how victimized she was, and I, you know, I don't like, I don't like seeing that. But no, I, th- this I love the just sort of you know crazy balls out artwork that Javier Rodriguez is laying down. And I think Al Ewing is telling a, a, just a really entertaining romp through the multiverse. Uh, and it's not, I guess it's not even multiverse through the higher planes. I should right. say. Yeah. Um, through the higher planes of existence. Yeah. I just, it is just so much fun and really harkens back to uh, the age of Marvel storytelling where Steve Ditko was drawing Dr. Strange. I just I, I I think this book is just a, a great deal of fun. It is it is so much fun and and I'm very excited that we I hopped on this one with you because uh, I'm I've been loving each issue. I still again haven't done it because I haven't had the time, but I do feel like yeah. I still feel like I should go back and reread that uh, last Defenders run before. Yeah, it, it's it's worthwhile. And I, the two the, the two books bump up nicely together. Yes, yeah. So I feel like and, I get a little bit more. So I need to I still need to find time to go back on my Marvel Unlimited app and and reread that series. Well, and I do, you know, because the the, the books are being published concurrently, uh, I do recommend the current Ant-Man run, uh, also by Al Ewing, with uh, artwork by what's that guy's name, Riley, I think. Uh, but the art, the 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 texture and feel and the storytelling are very similar to what we get here. Um, so if you're enjoying Defenders Beyond, I do rec- recommend picking up the current. I'll have to check it out. Do it. I'll do it. Do it. Do hey, I know it. this isn't this week, but is, is anyone else besides me keeping up on She-Hulk? The comic? Com- yeah, comic book. Yes. <laughs> I guess I have to I clarify. Am, yes, I am current on She-Hulk. Yeah. 
and very yeah, no, I'm, it. I still very much love the She-Hulk comic. I and loved I enjoyed an, the whimsy. I loved an F- issue six where, uh, you know, her boss has had this whole no superhero freak policy. And then, uh, uh, you know, she says, oh, I signed. Uh, oh, what was the name? Oh, Krakoa. I signed Krakoa as a client. And she's like, her boss is suddenly over the moon. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> do you know how much yeah. money that'll be? We need to hire another lawyer uh, to handle all this work. Yeah, it's I love it. I love seeing Daredevil show. uh, Not Daredevil. Sorry. Nightcrawler show up in it. Uh, It's a it's a good book. And finding out that uh, the the receptionist and the the other lawyer have been having a relationship. Yeah. Mm. Good stuff. Really good. I uh, I'm also I'm going to continue beating this drum. The Kieran Gillen uh, big crossover uh, Avengers X-Men Eternals Axe Judgment Day is fantastic. I feel like uh, you need to stop trying to make Axe happen, Aaron. I'm going to read happening. that. You've got me into uh, I'm going to read it on Marvel Unlimited. I'm not going to I'm not going to read it sure. in real time, but no, I'm you'll going save to a, read a tremendous amount of money reading Correct. it uh, yes. when, when it's part of the subscription because hundreds of dollars. An, it is an expensive read. But I have to say what I've been doing is I'm I'm reading the main title and then the tie-ins that Kieran Gillen writes. And I was going to pass this week on the Avengers number 1 Judgment Day. Uh, tie-in, but then you know I'm on the Kieran Gillen email list. He's got a an email newsletter that he sends out every week on New Comic Book Day, and he kind of explains why that book is important. I'm like, damn it, Kieran Gillen, now I got to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, you know, we 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 pose we posited a theory uh, several weeks back that Kieran Gillen might be the new Avengers. Uh, writer yeah. after Jason yeah, Aaron mm-hmm. I truly believe that that's what's going to happen. Okay. I, I, I they are they have leaned him in so hard to Avengers stuff lately uh, in this crossover. I think that I think he's the natural choice. I'll be just very surprised if it's not. Him. Just gotta say. But hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, before we get into next week's books, which I'm going to tell you about here what? in a second. I know. Well, I, I you know, New York Comic Con is uh, next weekend. And what? They, and so I think we'll see a, a bunch of news coming out of that convention. Like maybe um, an announcement about Kieran Gillen writing. Like maybe an announcement about Kieran Gillen. Because they have announced that they, they will be talking about the next X-Men event called Sins of Sinister uh, at New York Comic Con. They also announced a crossover um, between both Captain America books, which made me realize, hey – there's two Captain America books being published right now. Um, so I, I actually went ahead and picked up the first two issues or the first issue of each Captain America book. Because Are there's they both a, Steve Rogers books? No, one is Steve Rogers and one is Sam Wilson. Kind of going back to my earlier complaint about same names. So there is a Captain America symbol of truth, which stars um, Sam Wilson and a Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, which stars Steve Rogers. And they're both, you know, monthly books and then they'll they'll be announcing a crossover at comic-con so i picked up the first issues i'll report back on how they are yeah i am curious your thought on them paul because i did read the first issue of uh that captain america steve rogers one i read more than the first issue but Hmm. Hmm. well well, well, yeah we'll talk Hmm. about it i I will tell you the one i'm more interested in is symbol of truth um which is the sam wilson book because it's got rb silva on art and i think rb silva is great artist yeah yeah so anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'll report back on that. But next week uh, from Marvel Comics, speaking of first issues, Spider-Man number one from Dan Slott and Mark Bagley 
comes out next week, continuing the Spider-Man 60th anniversary celebrations with the new adjectiveless Spider-Man book. Huh. Um, it is set in current Marvel continuity, but hey, maybe it'll be a Spider-Man book that I'll want to read. So I'm going to give you one a shot. Is this? Are, are they going to explain why Bay's mad at, at Peter in this in this series <laughs> <laughs> in, in this separate book? That's why he has no very mad at Peter, and here's why. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> he drank my last beer. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, we have some more first issues from DC Comics next week. We get The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, which is the new um, Joker series from Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah, I'm nervous because it's a new creator for it, but the the art looked interesting. It is the same artist and the co-writer of the previous Joker series. This is okay. the Joker series, but they, there's no James Tenyon the fourth. On this, so you know, it's kind of just Matthew Rosenberg taking over writing chores. I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a shot because I, until the ending, I really loved that Joker book. Yeah, and I am, I'm with you for the first issue at least, Paul. Okay. Well, also from DC Comics, speaking of Gotham first issues, Gotham City Year One from Tom King and Phil Hester starts next week as well. There's a first issue that uh, of that kind I, of I uh, Phil Hester. I love Phil Hester and Tom King. You know, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, but this takes place two generations before Batman, focusing on private investigator Slam Bradley. Um, so we shall we shall see. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. I'm definitely going to give it the first issue. We also have new issues of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue five of seven. So we will continue our punishment by reading that series. <laughs> um, Batman issue 128 from Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez. Jorge Jimenez. Jimenez and um, two first issues from Image Comics, Junkyard Joe from Jeff Johns and Gary Frank comes out next week. Um, you know the spinoff of the Geiger. Um, oh yeah. Character about the uh, the robot in I think it's I don't know what war it is actually off yeah. the top of my head. Uh, Vietnam, Vietnam. Um, so looking forward to checking that one out and Dark yeah. Ride number one from Joshua Williamson, um, which is a new horror book from Image Comics. I think that George Washington book by uh, Gary Frank for his, you know, Geiger uh, continuum over there yeah. uh, is uh, is coming out soon, too. I've been you know, it's it's funny, you know, at the end of the year last year, like all this stuff's coming in 2022 and it's been crickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited that we're finally getting there because some of those books looked great. Yeah, I'm, I'm very look, much looking forward to Junkyard Joe. And, and yeah, the George Washington book. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Honestly, for what it's worth, all of it reeks more interesting than Geiger, which was good. But this sounds definitely more up my alley. Yeah, good deal. deal. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books and what you're excited for coming out of uh, New York Comic Con. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise you can also hit us up on social media iom geek on facebook instagram or twitter well hey uh let's see if we can uh you know get andrew to read a dc book next week what do you think uh, maybe maybe only he'll have to go to a comic store though because he refuses to download <laughs> comicsology yeah i mean there is a there is a newer comic store that i do like a lot better than the the old comic book store i think what so we perhaps, do perhaps perhaps yeah. i go by is we go and duct tape him to a chair. 
and, and then download we, it on we, his yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we force him to engage with the uh, Amazon Comixology store. That sounds hurtful, honestly. I don't know why you guys would even suggest that. I think, I think I, uh, it's because it's intentionally hurtful. Well, and it's because of all the catheterization you forced onto us. So, you know. (laughs) He he catheterized me. Uh. (laughs) He made me read Tim Drake Robin number one. Oh, that was not me. That was uh that was Paul, I believe. Yeah, that was that was poor decision making. That was evil Andy. Evil Andy. (laughs) All right. Well you guys have a great week. Uh, Have a good week. Uh, yeah, stay out of trouble. Paul and I are heading over with the duct tape right now. Okay. I will lock all the doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, don't worry. I'm already in the basement. I'll unlock the door and let you in. <laughs> uh, Bye, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.